Make sure that if you haven't already done so, to check out our Sunday School video for today. It deals with the Passover from Exodus chapter 12. God loves me as I am and I love him too. God is my loving father and I'm his precious child. He treats me like no Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. God the Father of all men, ruler of all nations, master of the universe, Lord of all creation, can it be that we are the people of the Stubborn hearts, 
mind of pride and glory. To your Father will not yield, that is then our story. Can it be that we are the people of the Lord alone? Can it be that I am a child of my God? Will of God, O oh perfect plan, mystery of redemption, reconciled by precious blood, graciously forgiven. Can it be that we are the people of the Lord alone? Can it be that I am a child of my Lord? This morning we looked at Psalm 100 and we saw that there are reasons for us to give thanks to God. We saw that our Lord, he is good, his love endures forever, and his faithfulness continues throughout all generations. And now tonight, what I want us to take a look at is to kind of notice the connection of Psalm 100 with temple worship. And also, I want us to, to kind of just think about what does that mean about temple worship today? Because we don't actually have a temple anymore, do we? So what does that mean for us? Along this journey, I think there's a lot that we can learn about Psalm 100 and life today. So let's begin here by looking again a little closer at Psalm 100. Verses 4 and 5 served as kind of the main emphasis uh, for this morning, and they're also kind of going to be a lot of the emphasis of this evening as well. But I want us to notice that verse 4, it says, to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, to give, give thanks to him and praise his name. I'm just going to go ahead and read verse 5 too. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Well, in verse 4, that language there that's talking about entering his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Maybe you even know a song or two that kind of use that language about entering his gates or his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Well, all of that language comes back to the temple. And we notice at different times in history throughout the Old Testament, the importance that the temple played. I mean, keep in mind how it was during the times of the Old Testament. Uh, that was where God set up his name. That was kind of where his dwelling place was going to be on the earth. Of course, things work different today, but we can still learn something about the process there. So let's go back to the beginning. Whenever the temple was actually uh, originally dedicated, I want us to look at some of the words that Solomon says at the temple dedication. This goes back to 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 22 through 24. Like I said, it's at the dedication of the temple. Solomon is speaking, and we read this. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands toward heaven and said, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. With your mouth, you have promised and with your hand, you have fulfilled it as it is today. They were recognizing something wonderful. They were recognizing the faithfulness of God, the fulfillment of these things. And you notice here among the language that he talks about, he speaks about this love and this promise that God has. All of this comes back to the fact that our God is good, he is loving, and he is also faithful. Solomon was recognizing that even at the dedication of the temple. And we, we see here from the words that he had, he was praising God because the temple was, was just beginning to, to, to become something that was that was promised and that they were looking forward to. 
they were seeing a fulfillment of that. Could you imagine that type of excitement? It's not by accident that we also see other passages. Uh, several of the Psalms, uh, it might actually be labeled as uh, a song or a psalm of ascent. And what that means is they were ascending to go to the temple. Whenever they were ascending and going to Jerusalem and to the temple, they were praising God for, for wonderful things. Let's take a look at one of those psalms together because that's a, a different time period in which we can see that they were um, entering in to the gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. They were entering into that in a different time period. In Psalm 122, uh, I actually have the, uh, uh, the subtitle of there, A Song of Ascents. It's of David. And this is what was stated there. This was whenever they were going to Jerusalem. This was their mindset. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May, those, may there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your prosperity. So notice that this song of ascents, that he says, I was rejoicing with those who said, let's go to the house of the Lord. That's what Jerusalem represented. That's what the temple represented. And all of this about praying for the peace of Jerusalem. I mean, think about it. Whenever there is peace in Jerusalem, which by the way, the, the name Jerusalem, it actually means city of peace. So whenever that city of peace is actually being peaceful, then that means that people can freely come and go and that they can worship God the way that they would want to. And here in this case, that's why the psalmist is just praying for the peace of Jerusalem. When you look throughout the history of Jerusalem, you find out that oftentimes it hasn't been a very peaceful place. And whenever it's not a peaceful place, it's hard to go to the temple and it's hard to praise God. But you know, there was other times in history in which it, it was also uh, difficult to praise God. You know, there was a time in which uh, Jerusalem was, was destroyed, in, in which the temple was destroyed. And in fact, in some part of the Old Testament, it had to be rebuilt. And whenever they rebuilt the temple, now we notice another snapshot in, in history and another connection with Thanksgiving uh, connected with the temple and entering into his courts with Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm sorry, entering into his gates with Thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So let's look at another occasion here. This time from Ezra chapter three. Now in Ezra three, they are rebuilding the temple and they are going to be coming back to the temple and worshiping at the temple again. And this is what was stated there. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with, and with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord, as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good, his love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So here in this passage, we see another time in Israel's history in which they were praising God, they were giving of thanks because he is good, his love toward Israel, it endures forever, and they are able to be at that temple. They are able to be in the presence of God, and they are able to worship God. Well, this was whenever the temple was rebuilt. 
But you know, there were still some years in between this time and, and that other time that we looked at that they weren't able to go to the temple. They, they weren't able to, to praise God. And, you know, another time period in which we can think about is, you know, what about in the New Testament? What about the, the temple today? What do we make of all of that? And, and, and what do we learn from Psalm 100 today? Well, to that, let's turn to the pages of the New Testament. In John chapter 2, verses 16 through 22, Jesus is going to change our idea of what the temple is all about. This is a time whenever Jesus goes to the temple and he's upset by what he sees, and this is his response. John chapter 2, verses 16 through 22. To those who sold doves, Jesus said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to, to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had been, uh, that he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Jesus changes their idea of what the temple is to be. Jesus was talking about his own body, that that was the temple. Well, now there's still another time that I've mentioned that, that we need to, to think about. What happens whenever there is no physical temple? I mean, after all, what can we learn from Psalm 100 and the words, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. What can we learn from that whenever we don't actually enter into a physical temple? And by the way, since 70 AD, since the year 70 AD, there has not been a physical temple in which God's people were physically going to and able to you know, worship. But things have changed, haven't they? The New Testament speaks about this change. Jesus referenced it here, but even more than that, it's carried over. The temple is not just Jesus's body. The temple is also uh, found within the church, within us. Let's look at a couple of passages that show us that. In the two different letters to the, uh, the church at Corinth, Paul mentioned several passages, and I'm going to share one from 1 Corinthians and one from 2 Corinthians, and we're going to notice where he says more than once, that they are the temple of God, and the they that he's referring to is the church. Now, you can also find passages that speak about how you individually are the temple, okay? And I've also done a sermon about this too, but uh, that is true. You are the temple of God. God dwells within you. But the passages that we're actually looking at are, are more about us as a church, that, that we together are the temple. Uh, both images are used there. So in the New Testament, when you come in contact with the temple, you find out Jesus uh, uses it in connection with his own body. But then you find out later on it's used in the individual uh, Christian, but then also uh, the church as a whole. So that's what we're going to look at now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Paul says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. You notice a couple of different times that this is, is really stressing the fact that that you is not just you individual, but that you is, uh, you know, us all together, all of us. Uh, you know, we would say, uh, um, at least, you know, in the South, we, we'd say the term y'all. And, you know, sometimes 
I know you might think it's a little weird, but sometimes I really do kind of wish that that we would have a way to sort of communicate that in the Bible. Because a lot of times when we read in the Bible, it's you. And it, that you could be referring to you as an individual or that you could be you plural, you know, more than one individual. We do have a way to distinguish that because if we're talking to you, we say you. If we're talking to a group of yous, so to speak, we would say y'all, you know, you all. Sometimes we see that in the scriptures. In this case, it says there in verse 17, you together are that temple. And it says there in verse 16, you yourselves are God's temple. So, you know, the, the language here is trying to communicate that this you is not just a, an individual, but it's all of us together. We as the church, we are now the temple of God. We are where God dwells today. And he carries this over. And another occasion uh, shows up in 2 Corinthians. This time, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, um, the, uh, the, the thing that Paul is saying here is he actually says, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. He's getting on to the church at Corinth because they're getting a little too friendly with the temple of idols. And he's trying to tell them to stop that. And he's making the point. The, the, the main point of his argument is that we all together are the temple of the living God. God is in our midst. Now, isn't that interesting? Whenever we read those words again about enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. The temple of God is different today, but the temple of God is still so important. You know, we are that temple. So no matter which time period in history you're looking at, you see that there's always reason to give thanks to God for what he has done and for his own nature that he is good, he is loving, and he is faithful. Now, I just want to take just a, a couple more minutes and share with you briefly a few passages from the New Testament that show us these same qualities of God, that he is good, he is loving, and he is faithful, just briefly. In James 1.17, we read, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. We see here that even in the New Testament, this is carried over that the Lord is good and he gives good things to us. In fact, every good and every perfect gift that ever has come to us has come from above. It's come from our Heavenly Father. We see that our God is good. The things that he does, the things that he's involved in, the things that he gives us, they are all good as well. Now, that next thing is about the Lord's love. This morning, I shared with you John 3.16. I want us to be reminded of that love again. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This sacrifice is what's called the, the greatest form of love. Later on in John's Gospel, in John chapter 15, verse 13, John writes there, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. This is a love that God has shown for all of us because God is good. And also through this love, through God's love, we see his faithfulness through all generations. So remember, Psalm 100 tells us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now, Entering the temple of God looks very different 
now in the New Testament times whenever there is no physical temple in which we enter. It looks very different. Yes, it does. I'll, I'll give you that. But let us still enter with thanksgiving and into the, the courts with praise. Let us remember that God is good. God is loving. God is faithful, both now and forever. This is our God. This is who we are. This is what we should always be. Make my feet.